How's it going, everyone? Hello. Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is educating about and working towards a true people's liberation. Uh, I am your host, Josh. If this is your first time tuning in, thanks for stopping by. I appreciate the listen, and I hope you enjoy what you're going to hear. If this is you coming back, I appreciate you even more. Uh, and I, I'm honestly surprised. That's all I'm going to say. But thanks for coming back. Um, hopefully I can do it again and get you to listen to another one. Um, so for those of you who don't, uh, listen to me, um, just so you know, I'm currently driving. So if you hear any background noise, I apologize. Um, but it seems the only free time I have to record is on my commute to and my way back from uh, work, so that's usually when I record, so I apologize for that, but if you can get past that, I appreciate it, uh, because we got a, a pretty important conversation to have today, um, I've been, you know, really, I've been spending a lot of this pandemic, uh, really educating myself, especially about, you know, the world we live in, because, I mean, So much of our day-to-day life we take for granted, you know, going to work, getting up, turning the alarm off, eating breakfast, driving to our job that we can't stand, sitting there for eight hours, doing shit that isn't important to anyone, going home, eating dinner, relaxing for a little bit, going to bed. Even that much is taken for granted. But at the broader scale, things like our government, um, the power structure in society, who has power, who doesn't, Uh, racism, sexism, homophobia. It's it's great and it's very important to know and acknowledge that these things exist and to talk about them. But, you know, if we understand that we want to change, well, not even that we want to change these things, but that these things have to change, we have to get rid of these things because this is oppression, If we can recognize that, then we should also be able to recognize that that is not a simple task, right? And because it's not a simple task, when we want to impact change, when we want to force these things out of existence in the world, we not only need to know that they exist, but we have to understand how they came to be, you know, what, what, systems and and societal norms did racism and sexism today evolve out of, Uh, because in knowing that and many other things, including, you know, history and psychology, sociology, we can recognize how to change those things, because otherwise we're just throwing shit at a wall and hoping it sticks, you know what I mean, like, we're at a point in time where so many people are dying. So many people are dying that something needs to change. But if none of us know how to make that change, it's not going to get better. And I know that I'm not going to be leading that change. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's my fight to, to be a helping hand in, but not to lead the charge on. 
uh, racism that is, specifically. And I know that there are many folks before me and many folks, uh, you know, much closer to the actual struggle than me who do understand these things, who do know these things and do recognize that they need to know these things and be educated in order to truly impact change. But more than that, they also need a society backing them up. Because if we, you know, want to look at history, the civil rights movement in America is a clear indication of what it is like when a people group tries to call for their own liberation, their own freedom, while the remaining people groups within their society do not have any interest in supporting or upholding what it is that that people group is fighting for. Um, And so we have to have not only an educated leadership and an understood leadership, but we also need to have an educated and understood mass and society in general. So the more that we individually can learn and understand, the better we can provide uh, ourselves as a helping hand in both sides of that coin, on both sides of that battle. So, you know, one thing in particular that obviously takes a lot of uh, importance at the current moment is police brutality. Um, police brutality is such a broad and and, and vague term, uh, but it's it's clearly a evident and necessary conversation to be had in this country. But not only is it an, a necessary conversation to be had, but as we've discussed, it needs to be had correctly. And we need to understand these things not as their idealistic manifestation, you know, how we think these things exist, why we think these things are a problem, but in their reality, their material reality. Again, if we look at the progression of police officers in the United States from slave patrols, we can see we can see materially why it is that they kill young black folks such as Dante Wright, rest in peace, um, judiciously, extrajudiciously, with impunity, and and the whole world erupts. And yet, do any of them ever see consequences? No. And, you know, on top of that, I'll say this before we dive in, we also need to really assess what it is those consequences ought to be. Because a lot of us, uh, it seems, don't recognize by saying, like, lock him up or, or, you know, put, put him in prison. We're just upholding the carceral system in this country, which is, you know, the new version of slavery. And and we don't want to see that prison industrial complex continue. So we have to re-envision, we have to re-imagine what it is that we're looking for when it comes to these consequences. And more importantly, we got to ask, who is giving them the consequences? Because if it's not the people of the area who, you know, suffer under this oppressive rule of the police department, if it's the government who allows these police officers to continuously get let off, 
if it's the judges and juries which, you know, have to uphold a law which does not actually intend to convict anyone with, with white skin and a badge, um, it's hard to see those consequences actually lead towards reform and change. Because at the very core, you know, there is this white supremacy that is endemic to American society. So let's talk about it. Real quick, you know, we're talking about police violence, so we got to jump into a conversation of white supremacy, because that's America for you. America, the nation that was started as a settler colonial project, which came in and massacred, murdered, raped, pillaged, destroyed entire people groups of indigenous nations for the simple sake of their own quote-unquote liberty. That is the very foundation of what this society we know as America has come from. So let's keep that in mind. The years and years of oppression, termination, quote-unquote relocation of our native indigenous brothers and sisters and comrades cannot be ignored when talking about the white supremacy that exists in this country because it still exists to this day in the same way that it always has. It has just tacked on a few other groups to its list. Um, Because of the because of the way in which this country was formed, there needed to be a justification for the oppression, the exploitation, and the destruction that was committed by supposedly good-standing Protestant Christian folks and others. Um, They needed to figure out how to be the good guys in their story. And as we know, they love to tell those stories, and as we know, they are always the good guys in those stories. But this is clearly not the actual historical truth, and so we have to recognize that. So there, there's one tack of white supremacy against the United States. Well, then, as we know, um, in 1619, the first ship uh, that, that held enslaved African folks uh, landed in a port in the United States, I think it was in Pennsylvania or Virginia, I'm I'm not going to actually say because I don't know, but 1619 was the first time that African American slaves, or actually, excuse me, that African slaves had been brought to this country uh, as as slaves, Um, and since then, Again, that justification that made it perfectly okay for us to go into lands uh, that were already sovereign, that already had thousands of years of culture and people and history here on on Turtle Island. Now we see a new version of white supremacy, a new version of oppression, slavery. But worse than anything else, what we had in America is known as chattel slavery. Chattel is not a word that we use commonly anymore, but what chattel means is property, it's ownership. Cows were chattel. Um, Carriages were chattel. So when we talk about slavery in this country, it was not a human being being enslaved to another human being for the sake of labor, such as indentured servitude, which was the majority.
majority of the way as to how white immigrants made their way into America. But it was a dehumanization. It was removing what was human from not only indigenous peoples, but black folks, and making them property. Um, that is disgusting. And none of us today can truly understand the inhumanity that existed and, and continues to exist because of this in our country. But strike number two, white supremacy, America. Now, if we're to look at these things materially and trace them throughout history and see how it is that they progressed in history, we can clearly see that after the Civil War, which was not actually intended to abolish slavery, but due to the efforts of the struggling masses of slaves, uh, the organization efforts, the, the uprisings, the revolts, and the, the conscious effort to liberate themselves, black people were able to, quote-unquote, be freed from slavery. But that was not the goal of the Civil War. So it's not surprising that after the Civil War, during Reconstruction, just about everything is tossed aside. Um, any laws that are passed to supposedly help the freemen and, and the former slaves um, was met with just about no budgeting, um, just about no uh, resources for upholding these laws. Uh, so they were basically passing laws and expecting that a country which was entirely based off of slave labor less than six months before this um, would just perfectly accept now that black people were free and equal. Um, believe it or not, that didn't work out. And so we see a lot of different things happen. First, we see what we now know as the carceral state, the prison industrial complex begin to develop. We see the 13th Amendment give rise to what uh, some activists call the new Jim Crow, which, or I guess the new Jim Crow would be wrong. The new slavery, and, and along further down history, it becomes the new Jim Crow. Uh, but Jim Crow would have to happen first before it could be the new one. Um, so, you know, you see here the progression from a slave society, which built its, its entire economy, political, and, and social structure off of that oppression of four to five million people for labor, for free labor. Uh, it creates a new system known as the prison industrial complex, which replaces this former slave society with something new in form, the prisons, but not new in essence. Because many of the former slaves who got imprisoned were working some of the same fields for some of the same pay that they were getting as slaves, um, which is almost nothing, because um, they were slaves. That, that, that's how that works. Um, and so from this point on, we see that slavery was never abolished in this country, only renamed. And anyone who denies that denies the history of, uh, you know, millions of black folks in this country who have lived this truth, who have lived these experiences, and can tell you about them if you shut the fuck up and listen. Um, 
But because we, as a country, are built on white supremacy, our very core is white supremacy, um, white folks love to go wild and just, you know, not uphold that. <laughs> not Well, I should say they do uphold the white supremacy. But so let's let's skip forward a few years and and let's remember, of course, like I mentioned up top, that the what we know as police really material deve- materially developed out of what used to be slave catchers, slave. Uh, uh, um, uh, they were basically bounty guard or bounty hunters who. Their, their badges literally look exactly the same to some of the, the early police officers. Their entire goal was to go catch fugitive slaves. And so it, it, it consequentially makes sense when now, in 2021, we see that our prison industrial complex, oddly enough, really focuses on killing, imprisoning, and ruining the lives of black and brown people. Um, it's funny how that, that works that way. Um, but yeah, so today, 2021, on April 11th, the conversation that we want to have, uh, a man by the name of Dante Wright was murdered by uh, Minnesota police uh, in the state where George Floyd was murdered and where Derek Chauvin's trial is currently taking place. Um, yet another young black man was taken from this world due to the... Uh, we want to be honest, due to the lack of care whatsoever in the livelihood of that young black man by that police officer. And, you know, more often than not, we want to take folks like Derek Chauvin and others and put them on trial, convict them, and and imprison them. But what good does this do to change the very fabric of our society? What good does this do to change the fact that even if Derek Chauvin is found guilty, even if this murderer of Dante Wright is found guilty, guess what? Someone today in... Oh, shit. I just read the article, and now I can't remember where it was. But there was another police killing of a young black man, and I can't remember his name or where it took place, but... This will keep happening unless we address the problem at its core. And that's why I talk about wanting to understand these problems, not just by knowing them, but in understanding their material reality, how they come to be, why they come to be, how they exist today, what they exist as today, how they surface in society today. Because it's only by understanding these things that we can take them at their root and pull them up and get rid of them. Because only by understanding these things as a whole can we address them as a whole. And if we're attacking their symptoms, such as Derek Chauvin, um, it will not erase the white supremacy that exists in this society to its core. And so when we talk about police brutality, we have to understand who the fuck the police even are. Because what the police represents is this idea which the state a.k.a. our government, also represents, which is that there is some class, some group of people within our society that somehow or another is inherently better, uh, given more power and more control within society, and able to get away with things like murder 
without facing any consequences, that is able to construct the government, the institutions, the political and social systems and structures, the laws, and those who uphold those laws. The oppressors are able to write the laws for the oppressed. And so when we look at it this way, and we understand that folks like you and I had no say in writing the laws that we have to follow. Folks like you and I have no say in changing the reality of the society we live in, like the folks in our government and our quote-unquote representatives have. We are not given the power in this society as the people to maintain ourselves as the people equally to the quote-unquote people who were written into the Constitution who can allow police officers like this to continuously get away with murdering young black folks with impunity. When we have this conversation, it has to be clear to us that there is a power structure that is inevitably inherent to what we know as quote-unquote America that cannot be eliminated while upholding anything that is still quote-unquote American. A state, as we know it today, the bourgeois state, is the state of oppression by those ruling class officials over the working class. As Lenin puts it, and as Engels puts it in his The Origins of the the Family, Private Property, and the State, the state is an apparatus of oppression of one group's will over the other. And it is, the state exists as a manifestation of control of that oppression. To put it in, you know, a little bit more simple terms, the state is evidence that there is a inequality in power. Because otherwise, we wouldn't need to have some sort of, of government institution to tell us to treat each other equally to tell us that we have to follow these laws, to tell us these things, and and to force us to do these things, because those of us like you and me, we get killed, we get sent to prison, we get fucking, we get real punishments when we don't uphold these laws. The state exists as a facade that it is trying to enforce those laws and those punishments and those consequences on the very people who sit in the seats of power within that state. And it's pure evidence that there is these class antagonisms that that state need to even exist. Because otherwise, if we were truly a society of equal people, wouldn't you think it would work out that way without needing a government to make it so? Uh, And so the state becomes now, in in the the way that it exists today in capitalist society under the rule of the bourgeois, it becomes an oppressive state which takes the power from the majority, from the masses, and puts them in a position of oppression. And so when we talk about the police, the police are state-sanctioned facilitators, Uh, security guards, and 
status quo upholders who just happen to have a deadly weapon on their side, which they can quote-unquote accidentally fire off, and that's that. The police, then, as we must understand them, are not some group of asshole dropouts who just get a gun and get to go about their, their way, but they are a specifically organized group of people who exist for one purpose and one purpose only, upholding the status quo. If our government says, thou shall not steal, it is because we, the people, do not have, and therefore we need to steal. But because those in power have and don't need to steal because they're provided for, they write a law that says, thou shall not steal, and then give police officers a badge and a gun to make sure no one steals. And so, you know, as we're discussing here, we have to recognize then that this, this structure, this organization, this, this group of people, the police, will not ever actually suffer consequences, um, right, rightfully so. Uh, for their for their actions, because, well, guess what? They're, they exist to do that. That's their purpose, is to go out and fucking murder people, is to go out and arrest people and throw them in jail for the rest of their lives, or prison. Uh, it's to go out and make sure that no one else in society, other than the people who already have the power, have any way of providing for themselves without remaining dependent on those in power. You know, we would rather see uh, welfare extended. We would rather see government programs which do not eliminate poverty, which do not eliminate inequality, which do not eliminate houselessness, which do not eliminate hunger, but simply create a new version of dependency. Then giving people the power, the ability, and the means to provide food, housing, jobs, education, money for themselves. Because again, the goal of our society is not to make sure everyone is equal. If that were the case, guess what? We have enough laws, we have enough money, we have enough resources, we have enough people, we have enough you know, land, we have everything that we need to make that so. And yet it's not. So it's almost like that's not actually the intention. And, you know, we can sit here and talk about that for forever. I know that to be true. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know that to be true. But yet, this is a conversation that many of us do not have properly. We do not recognize the actual systems for what they are and how they exist and where they come from. We have to be more scientific in our analysis If we want to actually change things, because we can talk about police brutality, police violence as something that needs to change. But if we don't recognize that, hey, the police are actually state sanctioned murderers, they will never actually suffer the consequences or punishment that you and I would suffer if we committed the same crimes they did. Because their job description is to, co- com- is to commit those crimes. Their job description is to quote-unquote protect and serve. But that 
is a half sentence. They don't finish that sentence for you. Because you know what that protect and serve says right after it? Property. Because if you look at, okay, what was George Floyd, quote unquote, uh, uh, um, I, I don't want to be offensive here. So what was it that, you know, George Floyd's murderer, Derek Chauvin, uh, gave as an excuse for even his, his you know, arresting of Derek Chauvin? What, what was his justification? Oh, that he used a counterfeit $20 bill. Okay. Well, as we know, the most important thing in American society is capitalism. The most important thing in American society is profit. George Floyd made away taking property without properly paying for it, quote unquote. You know, none of this is actually upheld in any evidence. Um, but because um, because Derek Chauvin gave this as an excuse, well, he was rightfully uh, acting to, to even arrest George Floyd in the first place. Now, I know that many of us uh, have suffered during this pandemic. I know that many of us have seen ourselves lose jobs, lose income, lose our homes. And this is an awful, awful reality which will continue happening and continue getting worse because we are watching as capital is in decline. As capitalism is dying, uh, so are a lot of people. And it's an extremely depressing and awful reality. But what is also a reality is that George Floyd supposedly using a counterfeit $20 bill was not a violent crime. It did not require the violence that was used against him. And it is a direct link of evidence to show that the one thing that police officers give a shit about in this country is the status quo, is making sure that those who sign their paychecks have the money in their pockets to do so. Um, because they, uh, unfortunately, are given the immense power to continue doing all these awful things, they are also given the money to do these things. Um, one awful, awful thing that has become uh, commonplace in America, it, I forget what the, the actual legislation or the, the law is called, but in America, it is perfectly uh, normal for police precincts to carry military-grade weaponry given to them directly by the military because they feel that that is necessary equipment to be police officers. What is it exactly that police officers are trying to do? They're trying to stop crime, right? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure, last time I checked, that we have judges, juries, and courtrooms, right? So why is it that police officers feel that their job actually is to fucking kill people. Huh? Why is it that police officers in this country think it is their job to play judge, jury, and executioner? It's because 
our government, the institutions that it has created, the systems that exist, the structures that exist, the way it operates, its history, and what it exists to, to uphold and continue doing is all in line with what happens every single day from the barrel of a gun of a police officer whose vehicle says to protect and serve. This cannot be allowed to continue. It cannot and it will not. The people of this country are well aware of their supposed rights. And the best thing that we can do is use those rights against the very people who say that they have given us those rights. You want to tell me that I'm free? You want to tell me all men are created equal? Stop fucking murdering them. If all men are created equal, then guess what? Those of us who keep getting murdered would be able to murder ourselves. And I'm sure that we got enough targets in our mind. But you know what? That is not the reality. Police officers, the United States military, our state-sanctioned organizations can allow people to die, can, can outright murder people, can massacre entire people groups, entire nations, can bomb Syria to shit, can bomb the Middle East to shit, can absolutely devastate South America and Asia and Africa through sanctions and conquest, quote-unquote, through modern-day colonialism. This is America. And anyone who chooses to deny that reality chooses to deny reality. And I don't care to have a conversation with anyone who wants to talk like that. Because guess what? This is the plain fact of the matter. And the longer that we continue to ignore this, the longer that we will not be able to fix it. And we need to fix this now. No mother should have to see her son's name as a hashtag. No black person or brown person or any person in this country should feel the fear that we feel when police officers are near. Those police officers are not there to protect us. They are there to protect themselves. They are there to protect the laws and, and property of those who wrote those laws, and they are there to protect the society that we live in and make sure that it continues operating the exact same way. How does that society operate, you might ask? Well, it forces all of its citizens who cannot afford to eat, get medical care, be educated, afford a home, afford transportation, without going to work every, every single day. It works them every single day. It doesn't pay them a living wage. It tells them things like, the Mexicans are coming in this country to steal your jobs. It tells them things like, black people and brown people are murderers, even though they are usually the ones being murdered. Black and brown people, that is. This is America. And again, anyone who wants to sit there and deny this, have fun living in your fantasy land. I don't actually care about the opinion of stupid people. I don't actually fucking care about fascists. Other than, how the fuck are we going to line them up? So, talking about, talking about, you know, police violence, oppression, domination, 
capitalism in this way, we have to recognize that this is a system that absolutely has white supremacism, has oppression, has death at its core, and does not care one shit about anyone other than those in the halls of power already. Those are the people who supposedly um, are the most morally upright and, and, and capable people in our society. And yet time and time again, they can't pass laws that will provide for the people. Time and time again, they do not hold murderous police officers and government officials accountable. Time and time again, they get away with doing the exact same things themselves. And time and time again, we go to the ballot and we fucking vote for them. This society that we live in is not ours. But we can make our society. We can create a society that is built for the people by building it with the people. That is the only way that the problems we are facing today can be resolved. Is by taking the power out of the oppressor's hands and by placing it in the oppressed hands. By giving the power to the very people who watch their sons and daughters, who watch their brothers and sisters, who watch their fathers and mothers be murdered outright, whether by poverty, addiction, depression, or state-sanctioned violence. The police officer who murdered Dante Wright, like Derek Chauvin, who murdered George Floyd. There is no excuse anymore to ignore this reality. There is no excuse to allow this to continue to happen. There is one way and one way only this can change, and that is by the people changing it, period. Because as we have seen, the American government has had 250 years to fix these fucking problems. They do not have the interest of doing it, and so it can only be us. George Floyd was murdered. The man who performed the autopsy admitted so. And so right now, right now in this country, we see that there is a possible... There, there's, there's a reality that is evident in this trial that is happening. And we will find out one way or another where America is at by the reaction to the results of this trial. But as it stands, Derek Chauvin, four folks who participated with him, and the Minneapolis Police Department have blood on their hands. And George Floyd is not the only name who's, who's on that list. This cannot be allowed to continue. If Derek Chauvin is not convicted, which I'm not convinced he will be, If Derek Chauvin is not convicted, it is a clear insight that this country has absolutely no care whatsoever about the people. And that should be our sign as the people to build a society for the people. people. We need to end capitalism because capitalism is what, through colonialism, through imperialism, through white supremacy, through Eurocentrism, through all these different isms, has led us to the point where we are at now, 
where Dante Wright, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and many, many other young black and brown folks whose lives were taken extrajudiciously from the very people who are supposed to protect and serve the people. And yet they keep killing the people. If you're still listening to this, I appreciate you very much. Um, Thank you for listening. Um, We need, like, America needs to change now. And it's not going to happen with some legislation. It's not going to happen with some reforms because reform is only a reformation of the reality that already exists. It's just a restructuring, just a facade. The only thing that can change us is fundamental change, is revolutionary change. And guess what that is? Not a continuation of capitalism, not a continuation of this liberal democracy, as it's supposedly called, and certainly not a continuation of this rulership, of the dictatorship of the bourgeoisie, the dictatorship of the oppressors and the exploiters over the oppressed and the exploited. The rule of the many over the few must come to an end, and it must come to an end now, because otherwise we will continue seeing black and brown folks killed, whether it's in America, whether it's in the global south, in the lithium mines, in the coal mines, in the oil drills, drilling facilities, in the, in the agricultural business, in our textile industries. These folks are lambs for the slaughter, whether it's by the gun of a police officer or by the quote-unquote job provision by our capitalists and our uh, banking institutions and our government, which only interest is profit. That society needs to change. Um, If you want to check out any of my other stuff, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook at Indefensive Liberation. You can also find my website at For Liberation, that's no caps, no spaces, uh, dot Wix site, W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com forward slash website. Um, That's where my blog is and and some other stuff. Uh, You can check that out. Um, Yeah, I mean, folks, we got to get organized. We got to get militant. And what that means is recognizing that there is only one solution, and that is an end to this system. That system is whatever capitalism is, whether that's social democracy, whether that is uh, liberal democracy. It doesn't matter. Anywhere where capitalism reigns, anywhere where someone can be provided a better life for having simply more money in their pocket cannot be allowed to exist. There's so much money, wealth, medicine, educational materials, homes available, not only in this country, but there's so much land where these things could exist, but they're not given the capital, the, the, the money, the ability to do so because they are oppressed. What we are fighting for, what in defense of liberation stands for, is liberation. What is liberation? It's an end to oppression. So in every way that people are oppressed, we must fight against it. And one of those ways 
is police violence in America, is white supremacy, which is the core to American society. It is not a symptom of American society. It is American society. American society is white supremacy, is white supremacism. It cannot be separated. It is endemic. It is foundational to what we know as America. So if we want to see these things change, we got to recognize that that change cannot come under the name America. And it cannot come by the people who have been given power in the country called America. It can only come by the people themselves who have been oppressed, who have been exploited, who have been dominated, who have been murdered, taking the power into their own hands and creating and demanding equality. This is the only solution, and this is the only thing that we here at In Defense of Liberation stand in support of. Again, we need to get organized and we need to create and start building these things because shit's going to hit the fan. Shit's already hit the fan and it's on, it's on its way down. It's not going to get better from here, folks. So we need to come together, the people, and, and really, really build our, ourselves as a community, really build ourselves as, as comrades, and, and really begin building in opposition to this oppressive world start building opposition to this oppression. Thank you for listening. My name is Josh, and this has been In Defense of Liberation. Until next time, folks, you have a great rest of your day.